the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I find it very moving, not only because Jesus healed this leper, although that in and of itself is a very moving thing and is incredible, but the way that Jesus chose to heal him reveals the Lord's incredible heart of compassion. Matthew tells us he stretched out his hand and he touched him. Jesus did something that was unheard of in his day. He reached out his hand and he physically placed his hand on this man. Now, why did he do that? This is Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Since 1981, his clear, expository messages have been used by God to help build up the people of Lakeside. Now, in combination with this wonderful radio station, they are available to a wider audience. Today we conclude Pastor Steve's three-part message describing the king's authority over disease. This passage in Matthew chapter 8 shows us three remarkable characteristics of Jesus. There are many so-called gods who claim to be sovereign, but this is one of the many times when Jesus proved that he is sovereign. These verses also demonstrate that Jesus is approachable, and as we will discover today, Jesus is compassionate. Let's begin our class now. Now, first of all, let's consider this man's faith. It is great faith. It is, it is a remarkable faith. He has faith that Christ has the power to heal him. I remind you, leprosy in that era was an incurable disease, and I believe it is still incurable today, though it can be controlled. As I told you, it is today commonly known as Hansen's disease. And I believe, and there are people with, with leprosy in third world countries. I believe it can be controlled, but I do not believe that it can ever be uh, totally cured. And in that era, nobody got over it unless there was a healing like this. In fact, let me show you the attitude that people had in biblical times about anyone being cured of leprosy. You don't need to turn there if you can find it good, but Second Kings chapter 5. It is the famous story of Naaman the leper. So if you can, you can find that, that'll be good. Second Kings chapter 5. Naaman, or told, well, let me read it to you and you'll, you'll get it yourself. Now, Naaman, captain of the army of the king of uh, Aram, Aram would be modern day Syria, was a great man with his master and highly respected. Because of him, the Lord had given victory to, to Aram. The man also was a valiant warrior, but he was a leper. Now, the Arameans had gone out in, in bands and had taken captive a little girl from the land of Israel, and she, and she waited on Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, I wish that my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria. Then he would cure him of his leprosy. So she tells him about prophet in Israel that he can get over his leprosy. Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus spoke the girl who is from the land of Israel. Then the king of Aram said, Go now, and I'll send the letter to the king of Israel. He departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand shekels of gold and ten changes of clothes. 
He brought the letter to the king of Israel saying, and now as this letter comes to you, behold, I have sent Naaman my servant to you that you may cure him of leprosy. Let's stop here. Understand it was not curable. Understand nobody got over this unless there was a miracle of God. And now the king of Aram of Syria is sending a letter to the king of Israel saying, I expect Naaman to be cured in your land. Verse seven, when the king of Israel read the letter, notice his response, he tore his clothes and said, am I God to kill and to make alive that this man is sending word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? But consider now and see how he's seeking a quarrel against me. He figured he's asking me to do something that I can't possibly do, so now he has a reason to attack me. What I want you to see is this. The king of Israel put curing a leper in the same category as raising someone from the dead. He said, am I God that you kill and raise up somebody? It's that miraculous. I can't do it, he said. So that was the attitude prevailing thought in the ancient world. It was impossible. Yet this leprous man comes to Jesus and believes that Jesus is able to heal him of leprosy. Folks, that is a tremendous expression of belief in Christ's power. He doesn't know a whole lot about Jesus. You know far more about Jesus than this man did at that point in his life. And yet most of us don't have that kind of profound, remarkable faith. This man believed God that he had the power to do this. And I I say we need to learn from this. We need to have that kind of faith that we can trust the Lord with anything in our lives, anything and everything, and believe that God has the power to do this. How do you you get faith like this? Well, you don't muster it up with some emotional buzz in your life. This is not emotions. You spend time in the word of God. You cultivate faith by spending time in the word of God because Paul taught in Romans chapter 10, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I know he was talking about the initial work of of faith, but the principle goes beyond the initial work of faith because Paul also taught in 2 Corinthians 3 that as we gaze into the word of God, the spirit of God transforms us transforms us, 2 Corinthians 3.18. And he transforms us into the very image of Christ and Christ had perfect faith. So it's by spending time in the word of God that you develop faith. And it only makes sense as you spend time in in the scriptures, especially in the gospels and see Jesus doing miracles like this, your life has to be impacted or you're not thinking this thing through. It has to be impacted. When, When I read that Jesus can heal a leper, then I've got to conclude He can handle my problems as well. What do I have that's as big as this? See, that's that's how you apply the word. And it would make sense that this man had cultivated faith in Christ by hearing him speak. Matthew doesn't tell us this specifically, but it's very likely that this man had heard Jesus speak on the sermon, speak the Sermon on the Mount, probably keeping his distance and straining to hear every word, probably down by the sea when Jesus was up on this hill but it's very likely that he heard him speak. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. But notice this too. The man's faith was balanced. He didn't just have remarkable faith. He had faith that was balanced with a proper view of God's sovereignty because he recognized that while Christ had the power to heal him, it might not be his will to heal him. You see, unlike so many Christians today who believe with great arrogance that it is their inherent right to be healed by God, and therefore God is is really obligated to heal them. They arrogantly demand that God heal them. You've seen them, you've heard them. 
They, they have an arrogance and they demand that God heal them. How different this man was. This man humbly submitted himself to God's sovereign will to do whatever he chose to do, even if it meant remaining a leper, as we said, all of his life. This man's attitude really was very much like we, we read about the three friends of Daniel, who in Daniel chapter three, remember when faced with the prospect of being placed in the fiery furnace, they said to the king, they said, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Now that's tremendous faith. He will deliver us. And then they add, but even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, we're not gonna serve your gods or worship the golden image which you have set before us. Now this isn't doubting. This isn't a a faithlessness. This is great faith. Our God is able to do this, but should he decide in his sovereign wisdom that that's not what he's going to do, we'll still be obedient. Tremendous submission to his authority. But that's the kind of, of king that Jesus Christ is. He is totally sovereign, which means that he can do anything he pleases to do. And I know he's pleased to do everything he's capable of doing. But he is sovereign in the sense, as the psalmist said, our God is in the heavens, he does whatever he pleases. Does whatever he pleases. Even King Nebuchadnezzar, the greatest king of his day, bowed before God's sovereignty and understood that there was a greater king than than he was. He said, all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. But he, meaning God, does according to his will in the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and no one can ward off his hand or say to him, what have you done? Even the greatest king on earth recognized the sovereignty of the Almighty. Just because, as we said, God is able to do anything and everything doesn't mean that he'll necessarily do what he has the power to do. I remind you that in Ephesians 1, verse 11, Paul speaks of God as working all things after the counsel of his will. In other words, God will accomplish only those things that are his will. And you know what? If the word doesn't make it clear and reveal it to us, we're not always sure what his will is, especially when it comes to health issues, when it comes to such things as our finances. We're not always sure. And so like this leprous man, we, we need to recognize that Jesus is our sovereign king, which means that, that we trust him to rule over us according to not only his sovereignty, but his wisdom as well and his, and his love. We don't rule over him, folks, by making demands on him to do what we want. We say, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. This is what I desire. This is what I'd like you to do. But I understand that you may not, and I humbly submit to that. I'm not getting mad at you. I don't get bitter. I don't don't turn away from you because you didn't do what I wanted. I recognize you're sovereign, you're loving, and you're wise. Now, in the case of this leprous man, it was Christ's will to heal him. And in healing his leprosy, we, still, we see still one more attribute, an amazing attribute of our Lord. He is approachable. He is sovereign. But the third attribute of Jesus that Matthew reveals is that he is compassionate. I, I love this. Verse 3, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. I find this very moving. I find it very moving, not only because Jesus healed this leper, although that in and of itself is a very moving thing and is incredible, but the way that Jesus chose to heal him reveals the Lord's incredible heart of compassion. Matthew tells us he stretched out his hand and he touched him. 
Jesus did something that was unheard of in his day. He reached out his hand and he physically placed his hand on this man. Now, why did he do that? He didn't have to do that. There wasn't any magic in his hand. There were no magic fingers. Jesus could have spoken a word. He often did that and people were healed. But in this case, he didn't. He touched the man. Think how long it had been since this man had been touched by anybody. One Bible teacher wrote, perhaps it had been 20 or even 30 years since the leper had been touched by a non-leprous hand. Perhaps he was a father and had once known the embrace of his children and his wife. But that was years ago. In fact, according to Jewish law, no one could come closer than six feet to him. But now Christ touched him. What a tremendous demonstration of our Lord's amazing compassion. Rather than shun this leopard, this leper, as, as every other Jewish religious leader in Israel would have done, our Lord firmly placed his hand. In, and in the original text, it, it, it isn't that he just barely touched him. It's he firmly placed his hand on the man. In fact, in Mark's gospel, we read even more. We read, and moved with compassion, he stretched out his hand and touched him. Our Lord touched and healed this man out of his loving, compassionate heart. And this wasn't the only time Jesus did this. This wasn't an isolated case. The scripture reveals many times that that Jesus physically touched people when he healed them. There was Peter's mother-in-law who he took by by her hand. He took a little little girl, a, a man's sick little daughter by the hand and raised her up. On one occasion, he put his his fingers into a deaf man's ears. On another occasion, he laid his hands on a blind man's eyes as as he healed him. Jesus frequently touched those who were in need. And as I said, not because he he had to. As I said, there wasn't anything magic about his touch. He did it because he loved people. And by touching them, his heart of compassion communicated his sympathetic feelings. In In other words, it was his way of saying to them, I understand, I care, I love you, and I'm here for you. The writer to the Hebrews says that that our high priest is touched with the feelings of our infirmities, and then he touches us. And in this case, it was a physical touch. I think it's just amazing. Jesus, by doing this, gives us a wonderful example of what it means to show people that we care. He showed this man his loving heart by not only healing him, but, but by not being afraid to get close to him by placing his hand on his rotting flesh. If you want to effectively minister to people like Christ did, then you have to be willing to touch people where they are. And I don't mean just physically touch them, but but get down where they are in, in the dirt and the difficulties of their situations. To touch some people who might be very unpleasant to touch. They might have had little critters crawling around on them. Touch people who are unattractive to look at. People who may even smell very bad. But that's the way we communicate that we really care. And that's why Jesus did it in touching this man. There are people who are lonely. There are people who have never, and I don't mean by this they have to be huggy all the time, but but there are people who, who long for another human being to take an interest in them and if necessary, just physically touch them. I, I read recently about a man who was so lonely that he would get a haircut every week just so he would have a human touch him. Folks, there are people like that, that nobody really cares about, nobody thinks about. We've got our families, we've got our loved ones, and there are people who would love to, to just have a kind hand put upon them. That's what our Lord teaches us. And Matthew tells us 
that as soon as Christ touched this man, immediately his leprosy was cleansed, immediately. You know, this is so different than what you see by so-called faith healers today. When Jesus healed someone, it was immediate. And, and it was real healing. It wasn't someone saying, oh, my back feels better, which you can't uh, put under a microscope and figure it out. It wasn't somebody saying, oh, now my, my uh, headache is gone. No, this was a real healing. Real healing. What a demonstration of the king's authority over disease. Only God could have done something like this. It must have been absolutely startling to see, something you will never see on television. You never see a hand grow back on television. Those are, those are fakes. This is real. His scaly skin would now have been clean, clear and clean. His fingers, his toes, his ears, his nose were now restored. The hair on his body would have come back. And his voice was now normal and anything else that would have been wrong with him must have been just startling to see. Now you would think that with this wonderful, startling miracle, Jesus would have encouraged this man, go, tell everybody what I've done for you. But but he didn't say that. He didn't say that. Notice what he did say. He said just the opposite in verse four. Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one, but go, show yourself to the priest and present the offering that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Jesus told him to go directly to Jerusalem. They were in Galilee, so that was not, you know, right around the corner. Go directly to Jerusalem, go south, and don't tell anyone what I've done in healing you of leprosy and show yourself first to the priest, the priest who was on duty at the temple there, and then make the appropriate sacrifice as Moses taught in Leviticus 14. Now, the question is, why did Jesus command this man not to tell anyone about his healing before showing himself to the priest. Well, Matthew doesn't actually spell it out clearly. And I think that there are a number of of reasons for our Lord to do this. Uh, I think part of it was that he didn't want to draw attention to himself as a miracle worker. Jesus came to preach the, the gospel of the kingdom, not to primarily do miracles. So he wasn't out to draw a crowd I think that was part of it. I think also he wanted the, the uh, rulers in Jerusalem to understand that he kept the law. They said that he didn't keep the law. They said that he didn't keep the Sabbath. He didn't keep the laws. He wanted them to know this. And by sending this man down to Jerusalem, he was telling him to keep the law. But I think the primary reason that Jesus told this man to rush off to Jerusalem, show himself to the priest, is because he wanted the priest on duty there to learn that it was Christ, it was Jesus of Nazareth who was responsible for this man's healing, then the priest would report his findings to the official Jewish ruling body, the Sanhedrin in Jerusalem, so that they, the leaders of Israel, would announce to the nation that our King and Messiah has arrived. That's the whole purpose of miracles. It's a testimony. That's why Jesus said in verse 4, as a testimony to them. It was to be a witness and to announce to the nation the Messiah has come. See, the main reason that Jesus healed this man, as I said before, was because he wanted the Jewish people to know that he was who he claimed to be. He was the king. And by his authority over this dreaded disease, he was proving that he was the king. Folks, he also wants every one of us to know that he's the king. And what he did in cleansing this man physically from his disease, he can do in cleansing all of us, from the disease of of sin. As I said, we're moral lepers. He cleanses us from sin. He is the king. He can do something more astounding than clear and, and heal this man's physical body. He transforms our hearts. That's by the gospel. 
Like this man, if you want to be cleansed from your sin, you must come to Christ, acknowledge your need for cleansing. You come humbly like this man did. You come with an attitude of repentance and faith and you trust Jesus Christ to forgive you and cleanse you. And unlike this man who says, if you're willing, Jesus said, I am willing because he who comes to me, he said, I will never cast out. Let's bow for prayer. What do we learn from this passage? We, we, we learn not only that Christ has the authority over disease, that he is the true king, but we learn what a wonderful king he is. And I, I really pray that you will apply these truths to your life. I, I, I pray that as a result of our study today, that you will approach the Lord much more than you normally do, that you'll think about him and speak to him throughout the day, that you won't let hours go by where you realize that, oh, I haven't even talked to the Lord. That you'll share your heart's burden with Him, whatever you're struggling with, and you won't try to handle it by yourself. That you'll approach Him, you'll communicate, you'll pour out your heart. We're to be reverent in speaking to Him, but we're also to know He's approachable. And I, I pray that as a result of our study today, you will see how sovereign He is, and you'll see that Whatever he does in your life, you have to yield to. He really knows what's best. You and I don't know what's best in our lives. He does. And you have to trust not only his power, but his love and his wisdom. And I trust as a result of our study today, you'll see how compassionate he is. He's not out to mess up your life. Yes, we all go through difficult times, but even behind those times of difficulty, there is a loving God who has his purpose in mind for those difficulties. He is compassionate. He's not aloof. He's not uncaring. He's not indifferent. He is compassionate. And I trust that as a result of this, you'll grow in your Christ-likeness, that you'll be more approachable, that you'll be more trusting of the Lord in in your life and more in, in submission to his authority and that you'll be more compassionate. Is there anybody you need to reach out to that maybe you... Uh, You've kind of shunned. Maybe in your pride, you don't want to be seen with them. Maybe somebody who's a little dirty, you can have over to your house, take them out for a meal. If you have a problem with that, it's just called self-righteous pride. Our Lord had no problem with it, and he was righteous. How could we have a problem? And I urge you, if you don't know this wonderful king, I urge you to trust him today. He'll cleanse you of all of your sin. And you can get to know him so much better. Lord, thank you for teaching us. What a marvelous four verses we've been able to study today. And I thank you, Lord, for being such a wonderful king. Total authority over disease. But beyond that, Lord, in your unchanging character, we approach you. Help us to be able to know that we can come to you any time of day and you're there for us with a wonderful heart that listens to us, longs to minister to us. Lord, may we come to you too in in surrender, submission to your sovereign authority. And may we recognize how compassionate you are. Lord, forgive us for the horrible thoughts that we have that sometimes you're out to to harm us. Never. When we can't see always your uh, hands in our lives, we can trust your heart. And it's a heart of compassion. Lord, may we also be conformed to your image and be like this as we apply these truths to our lives. Also pray for those who may not know you as their King and Savior. 
Open their hearts that they may come to faith. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. Amen, and thank you, Pastor Steve. I know of no one else who is so approachable and compassionate as the King of the universe, Jesus Christ. Our time is running out for today. We are glad you were able to be with us for another verse-by-verse Bible class of the air. For more than 27 years, Pastor Steve Kreloff has been teaching one verse at a time from God's Word. These radio versions of his expository messages are produced by Verse by Verse Ministries. I would like to encourage you to visit us at our website, versebyverseradio.org. We have a large selection of MP3 files that you can listen to online or download. We also offer a free podcasting service. That is a great way to have all of our future classes available for listening on your own schedule. And there is also a link that will tell you how you can support this program. That's all at versebyverseradio.org. If you would like to listen to this entire message with no announcements, give us a call at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a phone number and we will get back to you during regular office hours so that you can order your copy on CD or cassette. And please join us for the next Verse by Verse. We will be studying a remarkable demonstration of faith by someone who might surprise us. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.